Smarties, it has been a minute since we've done on-air coaching call, but we are so excited to be back at it in this new year of 2021. In this episode, our listener and member, Patreon Rachel, joins us for an on-air coaching call. We discuss her 12-year-old daughter's challenges and aversions to writing. Listen in as we coach her to think more broadly about her daughter's aversions. We dig into her levels of comprehension, auditory processing, honoring where her daughter is, meaning her developmental age versus her chronological age, and expressive language. Be cool like Rachel and join us on Patreon. Patreon is our $5 a month monthly subscription that supports the work that we do here on the podcast. And in exchange, we offer up freebies, content, and extended interviews that will never be released on this main show. To join us at Patreon, go to www.patreon.com slash learnsmarterpodcast. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer you have to learn smarter the educational therapy podcast hi smarties welcome to episode 143 of learn smarter the educational therapy podcast i'm stephanie pitts and i'm rachel cap and today we are so excited to do an on-air coaching call with rachel welcome rachel hi everybody yay (laughs) two rachels one podcast and one stephanie (laughs) This is a fun way to start off the new year, and I just want to give Rachel some props because she was just very patient with me. Yes, tell the people what happened. (laughs) So we're recording this on January 8th. Tomorrow is January 9th, which is Fritzy's gotcha date, which we've also decided is his birthday. And so we're going to throw him a Zoom birthday party. We're very bored over here. And we need the little things in life to give us something to do. Yeah, fair. And so I asked Steph if Andy and Tucker, her dogs, who are Instagram famous, what's the handle, Steph? Andy Tucker underscore the doxies, although I haven't posted on there in a long time. But yes, they're there. And Fritzy's Instagram is at that's so Fritzy, two S's. That's so <laughs> Fritzy. Um, and you can go see pictures of him. He's not Instagram famous, but he's adorable. So I asked Steph if Andy and Tucker would be joining us tomorrow for Fritzy's birthday on Zoom. And she said yes, and then said I should get cupcakes for Fritzy from Sprinkles. I thought about getting him cupcakes, but I didn't know where, and I was probably going to ask you, but then you said I could order them and have them delivered, so (laughs) yeah, they'll be here within the hour, and then obviously if we're going to get Sprinkles cupcakes, Adam and I are going to get a cupcake. For sure. And so I needed to ask Adam which cupcake. So then, Rachel, you actually got to meet Adam. He doesn't come in here when we're recording ever, so because I would get upset. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was um, – you were very patient while I was figuring that out and placing the order, so thank you. No problem. So tell everybody what cupcake you decided to get. Well, I don't know what we ultimately ended up with, but I got a salty caramel, a couple of vanillas, Adam wanted a strawberry. An interesting choice. An interesting choice. And then he wanted like a regular sprinkles cupcake. So all right. in this episode, Steph will remind me, I will post a picture of Fritzy's Zoom birthday party. Yay. Send that in the weekly email. So he may or may not have an outfit. (laughs) I don't want to spoil anything. But (laughs) I always also said that I was never going to be one of those dog parents. As soon as we got him, we were dressing him up. As soon as we got him. Of course you were. (laughs) One of my best friends got us a Spock costume for him 
because we're Trekkies over here. And oh my God, he's so cute in it, but he hates it so much because <laughs> we put the fake wig with the ears on. Oh, that's a level. He hates it, but he's so cute. That's so funny. So birthday party it up. Andy and Tucker will have a pup cake as well. Yes, perfect. And welcome to the podcast, Rachel, after that whole <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so why don't you share a little bit with us about who you are, what brought you to listening to the podcast in the first place, and like bring us up to date. Okay. I'm Rachel. I live in Las Vegas now currently, but I grew up in the Valley, San Fernando Valley. And I have an autistic daughter who's in middle school. So because of her, I decided to go back to school. I found myself researching and just learning about autism in general. And so through my education, I found your podcast while looking for new content and things to do to work with her and also to learn about for my own personal studies. So that is how I found you guys. So tell us a little bit about your studies and what you are pursuing. Yeah. Super interesting. So I started off wanting to do neuropsychology so I could work with diagnosing autism, ADHD, and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I sort of fell in love with the brain. So I'm digging more into cognitive behavioral science for my grad studies. So that is fantastic. And so in the midst of your graduate pursuits, you're also raising a family. Yep. Yeah. I have three children and we're in digital learning now. Everybody's home. So there's five of us in the house constantly. So it's been really good for studying. (laughs) So (laughs) we're, we're making it through. Yeah. Good for you. How can we help? Tell us what's going on. Tell us what's going on. (laughs) So my daughter, you guys talk about two E kids, twice exceptional. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. she would fit the bill. And we've been struggling for quite some time, specifically within writing. And we get stuck because all of the traditional writing interventions. Yeah. And suggestions and things like graphic organizers. And specifically that one we run into trouble with a lot, but don't seem to help me get her over this hurdle. What happens when I have her in school is they want to start with mechanics. And when I say she struggles with writing, they want to take her a step back with mechanics. But from the moment she was born, grammar and all of that was just very easy for her. So that's not the struggle. It's trying to get her to produce the content in order to put words on paper is where we get stuck. She can spell very well. She knows her grammar rules and none of that is an issue. So I struggle not only helping her, but also trying to get the school to understand where her struggles lie. What grade is she in? She's in seventh. In seventh grade currently. Okay. Yes. So let's go back to second grade because that's when writing starts to get a little bit more intense, right. let's say, and ideas and whatnot. What was your experience with her as to what worked and what she was struggling with then? So that is the time that she switched into an advanced class. So they moved her into that class and the teacher was very heavy in writing. She expected a lot from the kids, which was great for that group. But that's where we realized that this would be a big struggle for her. And she would outright refuse to write anything. 
And so that's when the teacher contacted me to say, I think writing is going to be a big issue. And that's where we actually sought out a diagnosis as well, because the teacher, you know, she told me, yeah, I think that you might want to look into that, where most teachers had told me before, no, no, she's fine, because academically, she could handle a lot. Mm -hmm. But when it came to writing in that year, it really was obvious that that was going to be a big struggle. So she would just refuse. Anything that she had to pick up a pencil and write a sentence for, she just wouldn't do anything and sit there and refuse. So I had to sit with her a lot with homework and pull every single word out of her or have her dictate to me and things like that. But when we got to that point as well, dictating was an issue. So she's not able to tell me the stories either or what she wants to write Okay. Okay. So it's deeper. Mm -hmm. How is her comprehension? Very good. Especially when it comes to factual information, which comes along with autism. It's not a surprise. Inferences are very difficult for her, right? but we work on that. She's an avid reader. She loves to read constantly. And she was always reading well above her level. Her factual comprehension is probably in the high school range at this point, Mm -hmm. but her inference level is a little bit younger and her interest level is a lot younger. So what she's interested in is below her age. And when you're checking her comprehension, are you asking her one word answers? How are you checking the comprehension? I try multiple different ways. I try to build. So I often start with like, well, can you tell me some details about the story? She struggles with that. So yeah, now that I think about it, when I start asking her questions out loud, she struggles to give me an answer. If you were to ask her what her favorite part of a book was, she has trouble telling me that. But if I were to give her a quiz for comprehension on paper that has either multiple choice or short one word answer, she can do that without a problem. She does that very quickly. Written and verbal expression. Yes. When you did testing, did they find anything with the expressive language? No, I've had her tested twice. We got her tested in second grade because I always knew there was something going on. I knew she was intelligent, but I knew that there was more there. So in second grade, we got her tested and... In school or out of school? Out of school. Okay. The school refused to test her. Yeah. In fact, this year in seventh grade, the only reason I put her back in public school, because she was homeschooled prior to this, is because I finally got an IEP for her. And it took me until seventh grade to get her. Unbelievable. Yeah. And I had to go through a backwards channel. I couldn't even go through the school. I had to go through Child Find, Mm. which I don't know if you guys have Child Find there, but here it's outside help that helps you get uh, IEP within the school district. So... I had her privately tested twice recently. So 11, she's 12 now. And both times they said that her writing level was college level, that her reading level was college level. How does she demonstrate that her writing level is college level? So I asked that because this is a huge struggle for me. And they said that 
her original second grade testing, she told me that she was able to answer the question in as few words as possible, very concisely. Mm. And so she felt that that demonstrated a different level of understanding for her. And then again, in, when she was 11, he didn't do a huge amount of writing, but he said a lot of it was attributed to the autism. And so he suggested occupational therapy and speech therapy to help with the language difficulties. Look, one of the markers that we look for in strong writers is the student's ability to say what they think in as few words as possible. We always tell students, like, don't use 10 words when you can use five or four, right? So I understand sort of intellectually the thinking, but... But the kids can do it in 10 and it sounds like she can't do it in 10. Correct. So it's the opposite. And so I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting here. Like, if you guys could see my face, I'm this like, this is um, where I keep running into trouble with her. Right. This is every professional I talk to struggles to sort of understand her and see where we can give her some help. I know that there is brilliance there that I just want to pull it out of her. She's very good at giving as few words as possible to answer any question, no matter what subject. So I want to get her past that. Did you take up any of the recommendations? Like, did you do OT or start speech or anything like that? So I got pushed back on speech a couple times, especially through the school. They said she didn't need it. She was able to communicate well, and she can. She can communicate well verbally when she wants to, socially not as well, but with adults, she's good. And then occupational therapy, we did start, but now we are running into COVID. So they won't do it virtually. So we kind of are on a pause there, but it's very beneficial because they do a lot of turn-taking and getting her to speak about other things besides what she perseverates on. So mm -hmm. I'd be curious about revisiting speech therapy specifically for verbal expression on non-preferred topics. Mm -hmm. I also want to kind of go and loop back to the comprehension piece because my guess is a lot of what she's being asked right about is more nuanced and more inferential at this point. And she's not there yet. Right. Here's where I, my first question. Do you know that she understands the prompt and what's being asked of her? I would have said yes, but I would be interested to make sure of that going forward on her prompts and see, because that is a possibility. Prompts, especially when they get into middle schools where they're not really asking a clear question, they're multiple sentences, it gets confusing. And up until that point, there's a lot of opinion pieces. And we know a child that is autistic, really struggles with opinion. Yeah. Just like you said, they like the factual stuff. So there's different ways to go around it to sort of change a prompt, if you will, so that it could sound factual if we know for sure that she understands what we're asking of her. You said she's really good at communicating with adults about things and whatnot, but do you ever ask her little inferential nuanced things with words and like, how does she react? Uh, yeah. A lot of times she'll just not respond and I will try to reword it and she won't respond. And then especially at home with us, she'll kind of wander away 
and Mm -hmm. choose not to answer. If she doesn't want to or doesn't understand the question, she reads all the time. So I will try to get her to express why she likes a particular story, why questions especially are very, very difficult for her. Yes. It's not yes or no. Right. Yeah. She knows that she does, but she doesn't know why. Yeah. I have a couple of thoughts. The first is... I would partner with the teachers who are asking writing of her and get that in advance of the reading. So she knows going in, this is what's going to be asked of you. And this is what it means. And spending that time to break it down and really get to the nuts and bolts with the teacher. What is important to you? Because it seems to me she's like at a level one where she can probably answer who, what, and where and when questions and the why and the how are going to be much more difficult. So getting her to answer those level one questions are going to be a good stepping stone for her because I think what is being asked of her is too much for her right now. Yeah. So we have to modify it. And then there's the emotional component and the emotional resistance to it. It's not about the writing because it will emerge in another part of her life at some point that feels difficult. So it's about... First, honoring the feelings, which is probably difficult for her to identify, mm-hmm. and then teaching her how to go to the next step once you have those feelings. You and I can push through what's uncomfortable. It's not fun for us. We don't enjoy it, but we can push through it, and we need to teach her how to do that. Steph, what do you want to add? A couple of things. The first thing is it's showing up as writing, but it's really expressive language. Yeah. Yeah. It's showing up in writing because writing is so open-ended. Yes. She's learned how to cope with disappearing, wandering away, avoiding the question. So I think we really need to take a step back into helping her understand how to cope when there's not a right answer. Exactly. Let's say you gave her two ideas and asked her which one she liked more. That is very difficult for her. Okay. (laughs) Yes. She cannot make a decision. 100%. She almost needs that this or that game. Yes. Where you got to pick one. There's no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer. And it's uncomfortable. It feels uncomfortable in your body. Where is it uncomfortable? She's probably going to say like my heart, my chest, like physically connect it for her. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're just going to pick one. You and I are going to pick one together and we're going to be okay with that answer and just getting her to be okay with. Mm hmm. These sort of like larger concepts where we can't explain it and we don't know why and it's not logical. Putting it into real life situations right now, not connecting it with school. I agree. Is going to be really beneficial. There's no consequence if it's do you want to do this now or in five minutes? Nothing changes. It could be something she wants to do. And if she chooses now, great. So then you talk about why in a way that she can relate to. Maybe you're modeling your why for her. And this is actually something that a speech pathologist should be able to work on with her. Okay. Like making decisions Mm -hmm. that there are no right answers. Because think about it. Like that's all social interaction, problem solving in an adult way. And having the context blindness of autism is going to feel very overwhelming. If she has no emotional connection to anything that's being asked of her, why should she pick? 
I'm wondering if there's some way that you can go back to the school with the IEP and if we can sort of take writing off the table a little bit for now. Just for right now, while she's working on this, because I think at the end of the day, this is about decision-making. I think it's about comprehension. You just say, I want to work on these two things with her. This is how we're going to work on it. Everybody thinks she's comprehending everything, but we know she's not getting deeper level stuff right now. And she's not able to really express her comprehension other than she reads the entire book. Yeah. Right. Like she's reading the book and you know, she's turning the page or flipping the Kindle or whatever. It's awesome that she has that as the baseline, but you said like her interests are much younger. She's presenting as much younger in a lot of ways. We need to honor that right now yeah. for her. Yeah. What would we expect of an eight, nine year old? Mm-hmm. She's not at the level of a 12 year old Absolutely. in this domain. Yeah. Except for probably she presents in other ways as an adult and it confuses people. Especially if her fluency is really good. Right. And that tricks everybody. And this is where I run into problems at school a lot. That's how she's been allowed to walk away. She spent a lot of time demonstrating on assessments. She can answer the questions. Very surface level. When she reads, I know that she can answer who's in the book, the, you know, the very basic surface level stuff. And she found a way to just merge into the background for everything else. And they let her because she scored well. And how's her memory? She's listening to what other people are saying about things in the classroom and she retains it, but it's not her original thought and idea. And so she's using all sorts of compensatory strategies. This is very nuanced. So you're going to need an advocate here for you, whether it's a teacher or the principal or somebody that you have a really good relationship with to explain. And you also, as the parent, have the right to say, we're just not going to be doing this. It's too emotionally hard. It's too emotionally charged. In the household. And number two, it's turning her away from writing and making her feel like this is going to be something that forever she will never be able to do and doesn't want to do because it's so hard. And I think if we can get down to the bottom of helping her with her expressive language, that is going to be far more important in the long run than her being able to write an essay. Right. I feel like if I can help her with that aspect, then the organizing of the thoughts will come along much later. Yeah. Yeah. But if she doesn't have the thoughts, of course she can't organize it. Yeah. There's nothing to organize yet. Right. And there's nothing to put on paper with the words if the words aren't there. So absolutely. when these moments come up and you can figure out a way to help her put language to what she's feeling, even if it is surface level, mm-hmm. that it hurts or it feels icky in your tummy or you know her best. So whatever is sort of like coming up, that's going to be the path of least resistance at the beginning. Because if her memory is really good and you're giving her some language to identify, she might be able to learn how to regurgitate it, quote unquote, when she needs to. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. There's that great visual image of a mountain that's on the ocean. You can see the mountain part 
And that's the part of the student's behavior that we can see. And then there's all these things in the ocean that are underlying the feelings of, you know, they use it a lot when kids get angry. Yeah. Like we see anger, but what's really happening is fear and all these other things. Yeah. The iceberg image. Thank you. Yes. And so that image can also be used in writing to give her a visual of what you're working towards. The who, what, where, when, that's at the top. Mm-hmm. We are working on what's right below. Or right at the waterline. <laughs> right at the waterline. Right. And I don't necessarily have good examples of language for this off the top of my head. I'd have to really noodle on it. But some clue words that can help her sort of answer the next question. Right. Because I think she needs the visual. I'm not even sure she knows the greater connection of like why this is significant and why it's important. And you can use it socially too, because there's a lot of things that will happen interpersonally between people where you see the behavior, but you're like, the feeling is something totally different. And so that image can be used in a lot of different modalities. Yeah. My question to you is, what about her auditory processing? How so? Do you ever read a book to her? She does not like it. Mm -hmm. She prefers to read for herself. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that means she's skipping things. Uh She's just skipping parts. Yeah. With auditory processing, I don't know if they did the screener on her, but if she doesn't want to do it, it's usually because it's hard. For sure. So she's not making connections and her brain isn't making sense of it. And so she hears it but doesn't make sense of it. But she remembers it and she'll regurgitate it. Uh She's masking. Yep. Which is a sign of her intelligence too, that she's bright enough to sort of mask these weaknesses. hundred percent. But I can understand why the teachers don't see it. Yeah. Have you tested her IQ? Oh yeah. Is it high? It's very high. Yeah. Of course it is. Yep. Mm -hmm. For sure. Her full scale ends up being like 130, Uh but you take that out and she's in the 40s, but it's very difficult to have that processing speed so low for her. I just had this done myself. So here we go. (laughs) Rich, you knew this was coming. Mm -hmm. So I just took an auditory processing screener and I'm just going to put this out in the world, you guys. (laughs) I failed miserably. I was not surprised. (laughs) I got the ninth percentile on one of the tests. It's okay. It was so hard for me. When the words sounded distorted, I could not understand. Hmm. It was in my left ear. I had no idea on half the words at least. And a bunch of them, I guessed. On my right ear, I did much better. But my left ear, I had no idea what the guy was saying. Then when there were two words coming at the same time, and I had to say the right ear word first and the left ear word second. I can see that being hard for you. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get the second word or I'd get one of them, but not both of them. And so I'm wondering if you have an audiologist check as well. You know, a lot of people go from if they're not understanding it on paper, oh, well, we'll try auditorily. But if that's harder, right, that's going to make everything 10 times more intense. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense because right now they're full lecture classes on screen and Mm. I can't imagine her ever taking a note from a lecture or being able to retain that information. She doesn't seem to hear it at all. As somebody now who understands and feels very empowered by the fact that 
there are certain circumstances where my brain just can't do it. I'm well-educated. I have... You've made it work. I do. It hasn't impacted your life that much. No, it hasn't. You know, here I am getting confirmation of something that I've suspected for years. But at the end of the day, there are a lot of underlying things going on. And the things that people think will help are actually making it worse. Yeah, that's what I suspected. And that's why I reached out to you guys. Because when we started virtual learning, she was in tears on the first day. And I realized like, this isn't going to work. We need to take a step back. And I don't know how. Yeah. After I took the test the other day, you guys, I was exhausted. Yeah. My brain was just like mush. I fell asleep really early. I just, it was like. It was as if you had gluten. It was as if I had gluten. Absolutely. It was as if I had gluten. I just, I couldn't function. And being all day on Zoom for her or just being in a noisy, busy classroom, that's exhausting. Yeah. She has no gas left. Yeah. I don't blame her. You can't like make up gas. You can't like just create it on your own, right? Like it just doesn't work that way. So if you can go back to the school, you can get some speech going, some check with, you know, she's young enough that if they do find something's going on with her auditory processing, the sounds and what they have things that you can help with pitch. And I've had kids that have done some of these programs and have done phenomenal. Okay. I'm not a doctor and I can't diagnose anything, but no, it's definitely an avenue I haven't looked at before. So it's definitely worth checking out and sort of seeing if the teachers can give her directions written instead of verbally is something that you definitely want to ask for. Okay. And see if that helps anything. It's going to be kind of that guess and check. Let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this. And in some scenarios it might work in some scenarios it might not. And it might be time of day. It might be how tired she is. Who knows? You're going to have to play around with it. But it sounds like she's lucky enough to have a mom that's really invested and really wants to educate herself. And all the things that you're learning, you're going to help a lot of other kids. I would like to pass it on. Yeah. Not just for her, but yeah. For sure. Appreciate it. So I think we've given you a lot of information to sort of think about. Are there any questions that you have in this moment before we end our time? I do. So I would love some advice because you mentioned to go back to the school about not having her right in this moment. And she just started a new semester this week and she has three new classes that are writing heavy. She has history, a reading class that has discussion questions and another English class. So what can I bring to them and ask for as far as the writing, the accommodation at this point? They're probably going to say, oh, she can have a scribe, but that's not going to help. It won't work, yeah. See if the teacher would be willing to check her level of comprehension in other ways. You have to partner with the teacher. Who knows? And the teacher might have a great idea too, but just like off the top of my head, you know, taking a test versus writing something or doing some sort of project instead of writing. Okay. I don't know if she likes to act anything out or be silly or, you know, if there's some sort of other avenue she likes to express herself and maybe that might be 
a start? Yes. When we ask her to do, say, like an about me or something that is uh-huh. personal, she'll draw a picture and submit that. She won't write words. So that might be an avenue. Yeah. She could do something like that. I hate to say this a little bit, but this is my honest opinion about this, is that I would not have her do those assignments. Yeah. I agree. If the teacher can't make exceptions or just have her do a picture version and that be that for right now. Okay. Because I think it'll be more detrimental to her to have to sit there and struggle through it. And for you. Yeah. How does she feel about grades? I don't know that it registers with her unless I say, you know, if we don't get this done, then you're going to not get a good grade. And then she'll burst into tears. But I think it's more about disappointing me. Mm-hmm. And I don't care. Her therapist will ask me a lot, like, what if she fails? And she's right. I don't care because it's more important to me to have her long-term success rather than middle school grade success. 100%. And grade success in general. I mean, I would try to keep that out of your vocabulary. You won't get a good grade if you don't do this. You can give her the choice or give her options of how do you want to answer this type of scenario? You could do this or you could do this. I mean, and then she's practicing decision-making anyway. Right. But I would try to stay away from that for right now. You know, and I see why you homeschooled because that is the best way to sort of take aim and go to where she's at. So see what the school will do. Okay. And keep us posted. For sure. Be in touch with us. Send us an email. Let us know what's going on. Yeah, I will. Thanks so much for asking and for taking the time to be here with us. Thank you so much. Gave me a lot to think about. So I have some research to do. I'm happy. Good. Hopefully this conversation could have been illuminating for somebody else too, which is one of the coolest part of the on-air coaching calls is we never know how that's going to impact. So thank you for being willing to share. No problem. Thank you. All right. All right. See, have a great week, Smarties. Have a great week, Smarties. (laughs) Have a great week. (laughs) 